Guten Tag, this is Anna-Katharina Jocke and you're listening to The Probiotic Life. This podcast is where we explore the intricate relationships between human health, soil health, and ecological systems. Join me now for another exploratory conversation on the probiotic life. Welcome, welcome once again to The Probiotic Life. I'm your host, Ben Klenner. Well, today on the show, I'm excited to present to you an interview I did with Dr. Anna-Katharina Jocke. Um, she is from Germany and she studied as a doctor of medicine in Freiburg and in London. And she worked for the German Red Cross and she did further studies in uh, naturopathy and uh, has done a, a bunch of different things. But uh, she has a really holistic view on life. And today we talk about, she shares with us about her journey from becoming a medical doctor to transitioning, transi- <laughs> to transitioning into horticulture. Uh, with a focus on microbiology and EM, effective microorganisms. Dr. Anna Katerina has written five books on various aspects of EM, uh, including health and natural healing with those bacteria. And she also lectures internationally on topics for paradigm shifts. And that's what we really get into today, uh, shifting our paradigm. Uh, she, she talks about microbiology, nutrition, water, trees, and nature experiential education. So this is a great episode and, um, and a thoughtful one. You know, I was challenged to uh, think about the way we anthropomorphize the world around us. You know, we give it moral judgments when uh, it's not necessarily good or bad. So keep that in mind as we get into this. But before we do, let's just talk a little bit more about EM. EM was, um, it's sort of like IMO in Korean natural farming. EM, effective microorganisms, is actually was actually developed in Japan in the 70s, I believe, uh, by Dr. Tiero Huga. And uh, he noticed that when he added all these microbes together, they, they worked really well. So the main constituents of EM is Saccharomyces, which is yeast. We have Lactobacillus, uh, which is the same stuff in uh, yogurt and uh, kefir and that sort of stuff. And Rhodopseudomonas, which is a purple non-sulfur bacteria. So all of those work together. And the idea is that in nature, nothing is isolated. So there's not one isolated probiotic uh, microbe in nature anywhere. Everything works in a consortium. And the EM consortium, when you apply it um, in your guts and on the soil, it actually helps entrain all those microbes around it, which means that they work together in symbiosis as a healthy functioning microbial ecosystem. 
And we, you can hear more about that on the episode, episode 41 with Quatamak Via. And in this episode, Dr. Anna Katarina really gets into uh, about changing and challenging I, our ideas of how we think about the world around us. So um, this is a, a fantastic inv- interview, a little bit longer, but I didn't want to cut it off short because we were really getting into it. And in fact, I'd love to get her back on the show. Um, and I'd also love to get her books published in English. So if you know uh, a publisher that would want to work with her, I'd love to get these books um, out there in, in the English world, get this uh, information out there about working with EM and, and microbes as a natural part of our health. I think it ties in really well to the podcast. So, um, so let's get into this episode. And as we do... I'd like you to open up your heart, open up your mind and hear what Dr. Anna Katarina is saying about uh, changing paradigms. So here we go. Here is the interview with Dr. Anna Katarina Choka. Our guest today uh, is a doctor of medicine who transitioned into horticulture and now is a freelance lecturer. Welcome to the show, Anna Katerina Schocker. Hello, guten Tag. Um, so I heard a little bit about you, uh, Anna, when when I was uh, researching EM, effective microorganisms, and there's not that much... Uh, research or um, uh, reading material in English. And then all of a sudden I found this lady who has written uh, quite a few books on EM and health. And so I thought, hey, I'd love to to uh, interview you and hear a little bit about your story because you started out as a, as a uh, medical doctor, but now you've changed into EM and effective microorganisms. So um, welcome to the show and um, would love to hear a little bit about your story of how did you transition from a medical doctor into what you're doing now? <laughs> okay. Yeah, there are a few years in between. Um, I had a strong relation to nature from ever from when I was a child. I grew up in Cologne, Cologne City, and the most beautiful thing there was for me to be able to go somewhere out into the nature. Um, I particularly like birds. I saved my first pocket money to buy a pair of binoculars and follow birds. But I come from a medical family, so my, my grandfather, grandmother, my father, they all were doctors, so it it was so, sort of expected that I become a doctor too. So um, I became a doctor, and then I realized within my heart I I'm not I'm I'm sort of a healer. I I felt the healing is what I want, but not the way of medicine I had to do. So I f- did this shift when I was as a medical doctor working in a hospital and realized I don't want to grow old like this. So I went out into the nature again. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, your interest was really in uh, being out in nature 
and connecting with nature. Is that correct? Yes, that's, that was that was what I was always looking for, and it was like, um, well, you have to have a job, and this is a, it was like an inner program. Your job is a job, and besides the job is your free life. And it took me some time to realize that I want, I didn't want to be to split, be split in two parts. To be one Anna Katarina who does a job, and the other Anna Katarina waits to be free to go out to nature. This was the point when I realized I want to be one, one person, one life. I wanted to live my life, my own life from my inner vocation. So I thought, I asked myself, what is my inner vocation? And the only I knew after so many years of studying was I want to touch the soil. I want to have the breeze around my face. I want to see the sunset and the sunrise. So I, I thought, okay, I go out into gardening and try what's going on. So um, this was uh, it was a difficult de- decision actually because nobody understood me. Nobody knew what was going on. They all said, "Oh, what's, what are you doing? She's a little bit crazy like this." And um, yeah, I, looking back, it all made sense. So because when you look back, life looks different from when you live it forward. So looking back, I realized that from my childhood on, there was a certain um, invisible red line. Do you know? Do you say it like this? A red line? Um, a sign, a path finder. You, you live your life forward and you do what you can and you don't always know your motivation. When you look back and you discover details, so as a child, for instance, I held a guinea pig. And when we learned about micros- microscopy and biology, I went home and took hay from the guinea pig food and soaked it into water and waited for some hours and looked at the hay soup. Is that the word, hay soup? Mm-hmm. The water which was in the hay, the hay was in, through a microscope. So I was a child when I first did microscopy. And it was this incredible experience to see the magic world of miniature for the first time in my life. Maybe I was 11 years old or so. And now while I'm working with microbiology, I know, well, this was the start, but I didn't realize when I I was 11 years old. Mm -hmm. So you you looked back and you could see... There was something drawing you to that um, interest already. Yeah, there was uh, like uh, something inside who knew, which knew how the future would be. So when because it was the re- realization within the depth of my heart that what we see with our bare eyes is only an excerpt from the world we live in. It's a very deep experience that life is in reality unbelievably bigger or smaller. It extends to both directions, macro and micro, and both directions are far beyond our human perception. And you need this experience to understand microbiology and put it into the place. So sometimes in, in summer I lay in the grass and watch an ant and try to imagine how the world was like from the perspective of an ant. Mm. Because you see the end and the blade of grass 
to an end was like Cologne Cathedral to me. I, I couldn't climb up Cologne Cathedral, but the, the end could climb up this grass. So I realized as a child, life is always relative to its observer. And um, I always knew humans are only one dimension of many. And it's important to see this, to be able to understand the microbiome today. Yeah, so we look into the stars and the sky at night and look into infinity into this direction. And with the microscope, we get an idea of the infinity of the world and the smallest. Mm-hmm. So I very early had this awe, this respect for life, which is much bigger than we, we know. And there, there was another experience I had. I had the chance to stay in Bolivia for two months when I was 16 years old. And to experience how completely different people live in other in another country on the other side of the world had um, put so many things into perspective. When I was 16 years old, I came back and thought, "Oh, uh, what people here are bothering about is ridiculous," because there I experienced real hunger for the first time and saw poverty combined with this warm hospitality. I saw the simplicity of life and the the life which is very close to the soil, to the to the planet Earth, and to the contrast. I saw our overflow society. Is that the right word? Overflow mm-hmm. society, where where you have far too much and things which nobody needs. So this was the background. I, I still can't bear to see anybody throw food away. So this all helped me as a young person to see Earth as a whole, as one valuable planet with all its diversity of cultures. And now I can see the microbiome with all its necessary diversity as a little planet within us. So we are planet as well. But it needed this, looking back, I can say I needed these experiences to go towards this... um, this um, erkenntnis, I don't know the English word. So we, we humans all have in common that we live on this planet. We are strongly connected with each of ourselves to the planet. Whatever my cells are has grown into the soil. I know that on this on your podcast you, you look at this um, connection between soul and human. And each cell of my body microbiome cells and my body cells, they all come from what has grown in the soil. So we humans are planet. We we are our own planet. We live on this planet, but we are part of the planet. So we, we share one destiny all together, we, the earth and we humans. Mm-hmm. So, but but I didn't know this one. When I, I started medicine, I went, no, I went to fulfill what was expected from me. I went to university and studied medicine. And there, of course, I got into contact with microorganisms again, but this was just one of the many courses. I remember we um, got nutri- nutrient plates, and, we, how we, and I remember how amazed we were to see the bacterial growth, the cultures grow on these nutrient plates. So we made preparations from door handles and... Uh, light switches and there was nothing visible there but on the nutrient plate 
you suddenly could see the bacteria grow. So this was again the the, the switch from one dimension, from the invisible dimension to the visible dimension, which fascinated me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you oh. you were um, sort of encouraged, expected to go into medicine, but you had this sort of connection to nature. Were you, were your parents? Did your parents encourage your connection with nature as well as when you were younger? Mm, well, my parents were busy with themselves. My fa- my father, as a doctor, was mostly away working, so I I did it. I I was looking for it. We went on holidays to South Südtirol to Italy, so we spent our holidays in um, very natural su- surrounding. That helped a lot. So I liked the mountains, I liked climbings, and but again there I went to the the big source source where and and sat there and watched the water coming out of the earth and the butterflies. So I always tried to find my my time with alone with nature mm. to melt um, sort of melt with what I could feel I was happy then and it helped me a lot to survive the, the rest of the life in Cologne so the pressure of uh, yeah um, so they didn't care a lot I would say and um, it was difficult when no when, when I it was all right until I started medicine because then I was supposed to become a successful doctor. I was successful in my studies. I, I got scholarships. I was really good. And um, I studied in London for a year, which was great because I, you know, you can go to a concert every evening. You go, just go and see which big orchestra plays um, and somewhere. And, and so I had these two lives. I had the medical life, where I, which I fulfilled, and where I was successful. And uh, I did all the other things aside. Um, sports, played in the orchestra, did practical nature conservation, loved history and history of art. And it worked as long as medicine was not overwhelming, but... And when you study medicine, you take more and more time into your studies. And the other t- part of me had to shrink. Mm. <laughs> and uh, actually, I did a research practice um, after my study here in uh, in London in the Institute of Im- Immunology at the Middlesex Hospital with Professor Royd, which was really good and very interesting and a very important experience for me to decide for the future. Because to dive into this world of research once and in order to experience how studies are performed, I saw how researchers lived. They concentrated so exclusively on their work that they even, there was a lady from Belgium there in London, she opened their beds, he put up a bed in the lab because she was working that day and night to be the first to publish certain results. Wow. So it's very dedicated Yes, and focused totally focused um, on this one question, and I knew it was not my way. I always I always felt the need and feel the need to put my insights into a greater and a larger context, and I I felt like um, you put a 
string around me and tie tie me to a point where I can't move anymore like this. So um, on the other hand, during my studies, during the time of my studies, I came into contact with alternative forms of medicine outside the university. And so they were successful. So I realized that there is this established academic medicine which functions in a certain way and besides there is on the one hand my wider interest and lots of other things for which I wouldn't have time any longer if I would concentrate on this academic medicine and this academic medicine wouldn't accept all these alternative medicines although patients found healing in it and it were really nice uh, therapists Therapists, yeah. Who did, yeah, therapists who do this work. So I, I again saw this uh, split between two worlds within the medicine. And how did you Um, how did you reconcile the the differences? Because I know um, modern um, like allopathic medicine is very uh, stringent in some ways, and uh, natural medicine is more. Uh, in my interpretation of it, it is more trusting in the body and trusting in the natural processes. How how do you how did you reconcile that in your mind? Yeah, you go into the next dimension. You sort of look from above onto these two sides. Um, no. I have the advantage. I experienced both because after I had, I had my state exam. I had gained so much clinical experience that I knew that I could not be satisfied in the long run working with only this academic type of medicine. So I switched. No, I I thought I had another um, medical studies. I went to a private academy um, near Stuttgart for half a year and I studied this naturopathy, anthropopathy anthroposophical medicine, alternative medicine, speech therapy, movement therapy, music therapy, spa medicine, phytotherapy, homeopathy. I started it all myself, as good as it's possible within foot reflex. Uh, what's the word? Reflex therapy? How, we, how you do the... Reflexology? The mm-hmm. So I made my experience on that side too. And, you know, on on that side of therapy people also said all oh, this academic medicine doesn't is not no good and so they don't know each other in the way they should so i experienced both and then you go on a different dimension and look down from above and the the, the solution would be and that's what what i try but i don't have a medical practice so i can't do it with patients but when I'm asked for a counsel or so, I look at the person and then you decide, does this person need this medicine or that medicine? So it's it's not uh, this or that. It's good that there is both possibilities. Mm. And um, maybe I could talk a little bit uh, later after my stories about the conception of human which is needed for understanding which promotes real healing, deep healing of any illness. 
So it's really a question of your conception of a human body and human, uh, the conception of human. Is it only the physical body or is there more than the physical body? Mm. And so this is a personal state of mind. So to console these two sides, it needs someone who knows it both, knows it both, and can decide on which level the healing is needed. So the first step is the tolerance to say, oh, both is possible, both has its place, and this is lacking in the present because the one medicine is officially paid by the insurance companies, health insurance, and so the other is not. Oh, there is an imbalance. Mm, mm-hmm. I like the way that you you think about this, and you're you're talking about um, sort of stepping back and observing both kinds or all kinds of medicine from an from another dimension. Is there is there anything mm. in uh, in particular that sort of um, helped you to see from another dimension? Anything that sort of um, uh, helped you to get get into that other dimension? Well, maybe the bacteria took part a lot, or gave me a lot of hints to this, because when you follow my story from my, um, from my, from this private academy, where I had learned, um, well, I thought, with this additional knowledge, I it would open for me a way to work as a doctor. Um, so I went into clinic and worked as a doctor, and it turned out in a clinic where a spot therapy was possible and phytotherapy was possible, but still, I it didn't feel it didn't feel right for me. It was not my vocation, so I left the clinic um, and switched to practical horticulture. And so this was, it was like following an inner vocation, which I didn't understand myself because mm. I was good as a doctor. The patients were happy, the, the colleagues were happy. <laughs> the only person who was not happy was me. And it was not easy. Nobody, well, my parents were so dissatisfied. They didn't want to have anything to do with me anymore. So there was this decision. I had to decide either to continue to be accepted as the official brave daughter and sister or to follow my own path of heart. So there was this decision, which direction do I follow? And this decision itself was very painful. And when I decided I follow my path of heart, is that understandable? Path of heart? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it was really painful because I had to leave behind my family where I came from. But then it sort of opened um, a resurrection, is that the word? Um, it took some time. It was difficult. I had no money. I had to improv- improvise a lot um, <laughs> because I, I was not, uh, um, you know, horticulture is just to survive. And uh, so I I lived with no background and I had to put myself totally on the trust of my inner voice and sort of jump into life in a completely new way and see from day to day how it'll come out. 
And then there were so nice things which happened that um, I lived at a horticultural family company and I was looking for a flat, but it was was too expensive and there was a small attic apartment and that family company, which was uninhabitable because it rained into the roof windows. Sort of when it rained, it went all through. So Mm. I put large flower pots under the windows and so the rain um, watered the flowers. So I, I could live there without paying any rent. It was really great to feel you can use what there is and make the best of it. Mm-hmm. It was, and um, so I was in Bavaria, and I was happy to. I stand in the fields in the morning, saw the sunrise there, <laughs> while with my rubber boots was harvesting lettuce. But um, at the same time, I still was a medical doctor. So this. Um, but this helped me to decide for one direction, which is from inside. And um, uh, you practice living freely and thinking freely. You practice by, by following your inner voice. It can happen that everybody says, do this, and your inner voice says, do that. And then you follow this inner voice, and afterwards, it was okay. It was absolutely perfect and fine. And the others Oh, what happened? So, uh, do you understand? Yeah, yeah. So, so really, you uh, you followed your inner voice, and there was things that happened that were um, like unexpected, unexpected but pleasant. Yeah, surprise, mm-hmm. big surprise, and fun. And so, I knew there is something within me which knows something which leads me away, which is better than would be with my. Um, mind, my my brain. <laughs> okay, it's easy to say that looking back. It wasn't easy when I lived it forward. No, I, I worked in four different garden projects until I came to the Rhine, back to the Rhineland in 1995. There was a farm, big farm, about 35 kilometers from here. They grew. I went there, and then the the bakery urgently needed help. They they grow their own grain, they have their own mill, and bake their own bread. So I, instead of continuing going into gardening, I went to work in the bakery. So this sounds. No, my 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 friends laughed. Now they, she's now. A doctor of bakery. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and also, I, I sold I sold bread in the shop. There's a farm, big farm shop. I sold bread in the farm shop. I stood behind the counter selling bread, and experienced all these customers who had food intolerance, food intolerances, but they could eat these bread, this self-grown grain, self. So you mean like they they had intolerances to commercial uh, grain and flour, but this um, locally yeah, produced this flour gluten gluten intolerance, but still they could eat the bread which mm. was totally made there on that farm. Mm-hmm. And you know, at, on this farm, um, I learned to know about EM. So. Um, I couldn't know that one day I would get to know the effective microorganisms. So, and following my vocation was important to learn to know from 
the whole living cycle of microbes, the soil, the plants, the, anim- the medicine, soil, plants, animals, and food fermentation, mm. and people who have intolerances. So this all, looking back, it was, it's a big choreography of life, from, not from me, from someone which, uh, from somewhere, I don't know, bigger than me. So I had all this scientific knowledge, but not only theoretically, but practical knowledge and all these fields which then turned out to be important for effective microorganisms. Mm. And so you were able to um, use the EM, the effective microorganisms, while you were working there? It was after I started working on that farm in 1995 and there was Adolf Dernick, his name, a master of agriculture who helped the farm as a supervisor. It was a biological farm and he came from outside to help as a supervisor. So we knew each other and we both liked to discuss actual topics of biologic farming so in general. And one day there was a man who regularly came round from farm to farm to take soil samples. So he went and from farm to farm and of course told, uh, he heard a lot about what was going on on the farms and told the next farm, oh, he, I heard about this or that. And one day when he came to Bolheim, that's the name of this uh, Demeter farm, he told Adolf Dernick about the effective microorganisms. This was in 1999. Uh, but uh, he he didn't know much about it, only that there's something new, a mixture of microorganisms and somewhere from Japan, and you can, uh, you can do a lot with it. Mm. And um, so um, Adolf told me about this, and we both wondered, what is it? We were both amazed at the idea of using a bacterial mixture. It, it immediately um, made some thing resonance um, a resonance within us and say well that's interesting what what are these em what are they what are they what, what where do they come from what can they do and there wasn't a lot of information there was just one sheet of something written how you buy it and where you buy it <laughs> so it was very difficult to get any more knowledge about it and the information we had was not sufficient and we tried to get information from Japan, but it was not possible to make contacts. We don't speak Japanese. So we decided we just take AM and try it out. And this was in two dimensions. The one dimension was me at home. The other dimension was Adolf Dernicke, who did it in agriculture. So he started um, using AM with one hectare of potatoes without EM, one hectare of potatoes with with effective microorganisms and waited, of course, until they grew up. The same he did with turnips and cereals. And it turned out that the harvest was greater, the plants were healthier, and we're fascinated. And, and then this was the moment when we realized with the help of bacteria, you, you can solve problems which were which seemed to be unsolvable, like the famine in the world. There's no overpopulation on planet Earth. Everybody is allowed to live. And with an improved fertility through bacteria, you can earn more harvest on the same field without adding any expensive um, energy 
costly artificial fertilizer. Mm -hmm. So this was the big experience on the fields which out of that. And I myself had my first small experience. Many people need these, um, such a little experience. I reported my, my house plants. So this was the only soil I was responsible for while I was working in that bakery. So I changed the soil and added EM. And of course, you don't see anything. You don't see any difference at all. And there was a little rest of the liquid EM left over. It was evening, I was going to bed. I thought, oh, what shall I do with this little rest of fluid AM? So I poured it into a flower vase with dahlian. Dahlias, this is flowers. They have a very soft um, stängel, you know. The... Uh, dahlias, is it? Yeah. Yeah. And when you put them into water, they very soon, the water gets moldy. So. Oh, mm-hmm. So this vase was with musty water, and I saw it and thought, oh, I have to change the water tomorrow morning as early as I can, but now I go to bed and I'm too lazy to change the water now. Mm. So I poured the rest of the EM into it, and when I looked at it in the morning, the water was crystal clear and odorless. It didn't smell anymore. And I couldn't believe my eyes. And this was my clue experience with EM. I sat there, I was so amazed, it struck me. There is a water that stinks, it's foul, it's unusual. It should be poured away and replaced by new water. So I would have needed new water. And then I put these little bit of microbes in it. And I wake up in the next morning, it's like the Cologne Heinzelmännchen, you know, in Cologne, there overnight the Heinzelmännchen, little, uh, I don't know the English word, they're little people in the night in Cologne, there's the fairy tale way in Cologne, Cologne Heinzelmännchen. Uh, they work overnight and they help the people. Oh, okay. And it was like, yeah. Like uh, fairies or something. Yeah. There's a famous story about the Heinzelmännchen of Cologne, which I knew from when I was small. Mm, so mm. this was like this. Um, and no new water is needed. This water could be completely transformed by microbes. Mm, so the transformation mm. was what struck me. So instead of using something new, it's some, that which is no good can go through a process of transformation in itself. This was my key experience. Mm, mm-hmm. So we both um, realized there's a lot behind it. And um, the clue is the potential for transformation processes. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so we, we, I saw this and it was contrary to what I had studied at university, but this experience didn't fit into my microbiological knowledge. So if you have the choice between your own experience and the knowledge you've learned it's like a little conflict and I wanted to solve this conflict and now I come back to your question I wanted to solve this conflict so Adolf and me we sat down re-reading our old scripts of microbiology I read my medical microbiology and he read his farm and plant microbiology and we talked about it and we, because we said our roots are here in Europe and not Japan, we don't need Japan to understand EM. We've experienced what's going on. We want to understand this with our own 
cultural roots. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I made this surprising discovery with this new perspective, looking back on history of microbiology, that the history of microbiology is full of misunderstandings, misinterpretations, and mainly human projections onto bacteria. This was amazing. I realized that the whole microbiology, our modern medicine is based on, um, come through misunderstandings, misinterpretations and human projections. So this was the start of um, studying the history of bacteriology deeper. And... um, so you were you were actually going into the history of the discoveries, the first uh, yes. microbiological uh, discoveries, and yeah. then you saw, hey, wait a minute, they interpreted something, but it doesn't necessarily mean what they've interpreted. Exactly, you have a totally different way. Yeah, there are more possibilities to interpret than they did. Mm. Mm-hmm. I actually, I, I went into the literature of the 19th century where the microsco- micro- <laughs> microscopy improved when it started with this new bacteriology. And the 19th century was uh, was like a shift of the points. Is that the word? Yeah. At, at the time when this microscopy was improved, it was a, a certain spirit of time and that was militant. Um, it was when fighting wars coming in Europe. There were all these wars from the French and the Russian and the Prussians. Prussians? Yeah, poison. Mm-hmm. And it was socially acceptable to fight. Yeah? Charles Darwin had published his book with this chapter title, The Struggle for Life, Survival of the Fittest. When two men loved the same women, they dwelt each other. So fighting was uh, socially accepted. It was like, well, let's go and fight. So and when the when you read the old literature of bacteriology, you have always this fighting. Mm. In fact, it's just I wanted to point that out too. That in in agriculture, um, I recently was reading some of the old literature, and. It's the same thing, you know, the, the, the farmers uh, or the settlers in America, they were like, we have to fight against the weeds of, and so that we can produce something uh, uh, valuable on the land. And it, it was this militant sort of action as well, similar to what you're saying. Yeah. So I traced, I, I traced back, um, I traced this kind of thinking back to the 19th century. And people didn't realize that they were full of fighting in their minds. And the bacteria they saw through the microscope, they didn't find. But while people looked through the microscope, they thought they would fight. You have a nutrient plate, and there's one colony and another colony, and the bacteria grow. One, the one sort grows, the other grows. And as soon as they, the growth comes touch each other, one would grow further and the other would stop. So you can look at it and say, oh, they are fighting and the one has won. Mm. But you can also say what I would say today, okay, 
they come close to each other, they touch each other, they communicate with each other, and for a reason we don't know, the one goes on growing and the other stops. Mm. It's not fighting, it's communication. So the the clue for understanding the microbiome today and to find a real helpful healing future in medicine is this um, shift from fighting to communication, to 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 abstract from what the history of biology has brought forward to in, to um, to a new thinking, not in fighting but in communication. When when you think of the immune system and the wording which is used, it's all military vocabulary. There's there's bacteria coming from outside. They attack the human body, and you have to defend them with your immune system to to stay healthy. And this the first front is these leukocytes, and and the second guerrilla is this, and you the whole vocabulary of bacteriology was um, geprägt, also was taken from military vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And this was because the the leading, uh, the best training facilities at that time in Europe were the military hospitals. What we today have as university hospitals then were military hospitals. They So the doctors who had trained at these um hospitals had also had a training of soldiers. Most of them had been as soldiers at the front. Louis Pasteur, Robert Koch, all these famous Paul Ehrlich, they all had actually fighting experience as soldiers. So the whole vocabulary was taken from the mind of the people at that time and had nothing to do with the bacteria, in fact. That's fascinating. Take the word colony. Yeah, take the word bacterial colony. Do you say that in English, colony? Yeah, colony, yep. Yeah. yeah. Why did, did they call this colony and not family or group or whatever? Because at that time, the political nations went to Asia, to Africa, and colonized um, what they thought was empty land, which mm. was not empty. But they thought there is a new country, we just go there and and um, settle. So bacteria on a nutrient plate in the eyes of the bacteriologists did the same. You understand? Mm -hmm. This is fascinating, you know, and this is when we, uh, if we just come back to uh, EM, effective microorganisms, that's like, from what I understand, is the complete opposite because it's a consortium of microbes that work together. Is that right? Yeah. But to understand how AM work, you must first do this abstraction from the traditional bacteriology. Mm. Otherwise, you would never understand why AM work. Right. Yeah, and, and how you can heal with it. The, the special thing about effective microorganism is this mixture, mixture of different... But it's not only a mixture, it's a team. To make AM what they are, it needs a team-building process. So the way they are cultivated into the bottle where you buy them, like what what you buy, mm. they've undergone a team building process. Is that an English word? Yeah, team yeah, yeah. Process? And yeah. look, I think most people um, who are listening to this will know about EM and and how yeah, 
you uh, breed it up from the mother culture, but do you want to just exp- explain that so people understand this team building process? Well, the the producers wouldn't tell how they do it. They mm. wouldn't tell. No, that's their secret. That makes a difference to the other firms, the other companies to who now unfortunately use the term effective microorganisms, which is not protected, to put um, a number of um, the same microbes into a bottle without the team building process. Right, so you can have the same microbes um, but yeah. not not go through that um, process of symbiosis. Right, and so they wouldn't work the same way. And so when we're talking about the microbes, uh, from what I understand, the three main microbes are the Saccharomyces, the Lactobacillus, and the purple non-sulfur bacteria. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. In three groups. Um, they are first, first they are cultivated separately and then they're gradually um, led together, cultivated together, to, to find together. And this process of coming together is the secret of the um, of the success of EM. Right. Because okay. you have a team. You have a team, and you give this functioning team into a disturbed environment, and this impulse impulse yeah um, into the environment would change the attitude, so to speak, of the bacteria at the place where you bring them. You have an imbalance somewhere. And therefore, it doesn't matter whether it's the soil or the the stomach or the window or the the mold on the wall. It's the principle that there is an imbalance which you can read in stinking, fouling, um, destruction or so on. And now you bring this team of EM, of bacteria, who do their job in, in communion, yeah? And you put them there to tell the others, to show the others, to to inspire the the others, my, my, the other microbes to do it the same. You know, bacteria exist on planet Earth longer than we can think. The oldest um, petrified microbes are 3.8 billion years old. So mm. microbes have uh, have started. Um, building the world, uh, the, the planet. Yeah? The microbes have, once upon a time, they were those who started building biofilms and um, consoling material to make continents and whatever. It's all a living process. It has all been living processes. And later they they gave the contact to other cells to find themselves together to multicellular beings. So the, the, the bacteria are those who always give the impulse to the development to higher beings, which includes higher consciousness. Higher, yeah? mm. So it's always the bacteria who give the, the contact through all these ways of communications, which they are able to, they communicate through... Um, molecules through direct contact to light signals to uh, through electrons through genetic exchange they communicate permanently and so they know how life is healthy 
life knows by itself what a healthy life is. We don't have to tell a plant or an animal or ourselves how to be healthy. Life from itself knows how healthy living is. So it's important to step back and not manipulate and try to control. And so, so step back and see how can I open a space that the bacteria can do what they've always been good at, create healthy life. Right. So creating a platform for life to thrive. Yeah. And if there is an imbalance, they can help rebalancing whatever there is. Interesting. Because okay. The, one of the big um, insights I had was to realize that bacteria bridge the visible and the invisible. You, here on my desk, I can't see the bacteria. They are there, but I can't see them. But I can grow them and then I can see them. So they can be invisible, but they can be visible. Mm. And um, we as multicellular human being, we are visible. But behind our body is our soul, is our mind, which is invisible. And the bridge between the invisible and the visible is the bacteria. Mm. What we've now discovered as a microbiome um, is the bridge between the, I call it matrix. The, like you have, when you lay a puzzle, you have this picture there and then you try to find the puzzle pieces yeah. to their right place. So each living being, a tree, an animal, a lake, has an invisible matrix which knows from by itself how healthy living is. And we humans, with our culture, we have not quite understood yet how it works, so we destroy it permanently on this way and the other. But the bacteria help to bridge the material, to restructure the material according to the invisible matrix. Is that understandable? Yeah, so they're so they're sort of like the teachers. They're teaching the way of uh, restructuring the matrix. I don't like the word teaching. Okay, <laughs> teacher, because it's it's it implies that they know better. They themselves, you know, life is we have horizontal and vertical um, uh, flow. And the the flow from the big, big invisible, the the, um, the great unknown um, behind life. This there's a flow which is more more and more condensing, and the bridge from the invisible, the invisible idea, is um, transported by the bacteria to the material. Uh, it's difficult to understand. <laughs> no, I, I I like the way that you're thinking about it, and it's uh, good because it's challenging the way that I'm thinking about um, the microbiome and probiotics. But it's necessary to understand how EM work, how you use EM, and how health can be 
um, redevelop, mm -hmm. particularly in medicine. If you, um, you know, people who have amputated a hand or a leg or so, they still feel their leg, although it's no longer there. Mm. You know that? Yeah. So this is the invisible human matrix. They, they feel their leg, although there is no body cells there. And the bridge between these invisible, feelable body and the body you can touch is only possible when bacteria, trans they are so it's, uh, like a postman. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they are so fine and so flexible that they, they can take up the invisible frequencies, if you want, the, the um, vibrations, if you want to call it like they, they can take up vibrations and transport this into and transfer this into materialization. Mm. And so it's not just the um, phantom pain, like the nerve signals. No, we, we call that phantom pain. That's how we call it. But ask the person, he feels his leg, mm. his complete leg. You can say, well, my big toe is there. And you can, you actually in medicine, you can do massage on the invisible leg and the pain relieves. Oh, wow. So there's much more. Yeah. So the, the, um, that's all about conception of you. <laughs> Um, no, in, in microbiology, we have yeah, we we first had the conception in the 19th century that humans are sterile and bacteria are dangerous. Mm. So we are the nation. My my body is the nation, which is sterile and needs to be defended against the naughty bacteria which come from outside. Mm. And people then actually thought you have to they tried to sterilize the human intestine because they thought bacteria were parasites that shortened life so this didn't work wow this was the first conception of human and the second conception was okay there are also good bacteria so then the world was divided into good and evil the good bacteria are useful and the bad are harmful most people still think like that so you have to promote the good ones and you have to fight the bad ones. And this actually was the idea for the development of probiotics. Mm. The first conception of man was the concept of developing antibiotics. The second conception was the developing of probiotics. So thinking we have different bacteria. So we judge the bacteria, the harmful ones and the good ones. But again, that means we would put ourselves into pieces and think we have good and evil within us. And um, this is a personal choice, whether you take this view or the other view, how you want to see the world. And um, of course, I can see that what I just told you before is very um, into the depth. So, But I try to to show you the way to there, okay? Yeah, no, this because is fascinating. This is uh, this is uh, exactly uh, where I'm going with um, sort of my thought process. And um, do you know, uh, have you heard of Masanobu Fukuoka, the One Straw Re Revolution? No. Uh, he's uh, he, he was actually a Japanese farmer um, uh, and philosopher, and he really took that approach too with his farming is is – not that anything is good or bad, but 
what if I just let nature do her thing and try and um, encourage that rather than forcing myself upon nature? Yeah. We, we like to think of microorganisms as apples or dogs or cat or mice. The one is nice, the other bites. Mm. But this is human projections. Microbes don't have a free will. They cannot decide arbitrarily. So they are neither good or evil. Mm. This criteria can only be applied when a being is free to moral decisions. It's only homo sapiens. Mm. So the, therefore, the, the world view in which the life is split into good and harmful, good and harmful bacteria, is a human projection on a living dimension which has nothing to do with human um, moral. Mm. So... Um, the, the the idea of a single microbe or species is an illusion. There, there's no single bacteria. They are always a whole team. They act as a community because they they can exchange everything. They a bacteria is a moment. It's a micro a microbe is a momentarily held substance substance stream held in the plasma skin because microbes they absorb they release they hold this for a moment in this small envelope in the cell membrane and we call this microbe mm. but the same microbe half an hour later can be a different microbe so the whole concept of microbiology is that we try to hold something which is permanently in flow do you understand yeah so, um, yeah there, there is no microbe. There is a microbial, microbial world because it's always one. All microbes are, in fact, one because they can exchange anything. They, they open the membrane, they take something out, and they let something out and take something in, and it's a complete different microbe. The shape can change. Within the tummy, in, the, in your intestine, the same microbe this has been shown in scientific research now the same microbe can be peaceful or harmful depending on the other microbes around so the concept of a pathogen is totally um over what's the word mm, it's no longer um uh, possible so it, we, we we as humans always try to hold something which is not capturable no yeah, we can't hold a bacteria. It's only a moment. Right, yeah. So, so like, for example, you're saying, like, E. coli, if we say that's a bad bacteria, then we're just uh, putting our persona onto that bacteria. Yes, because we, we try to call this E. coli E. coli because we try to identify this like an apple or a cat. But you take a bacteria, there were examinations, they made, they put bacteria under the microscope and it was um, round shaped and they let it there and was it changed its shape. So the same bacteria can have two different shapes, but the one would, you would call a bacillus and the other you would call like this. So the same bacteria, it's we are not yet successful to find um, a classification of bacteria which is reliable. 
That's not possible, even if we take the genes, because they can exchange genes. So we have to step back and see bacteria as a community, as a as the whole. Mm. And this makes it really difficult because it's like um, you you grab into the water and just try to hold it. Actually, um, to understand the the human microbiome, I like to compare it to a wave. And um, EM is then like uh, you you give an an impulse into the wave. So when you sit at a little brook and you look at the water and there is a stone and the wo- a wave is formed in front of the stone, okay? Mm-hmm. A standing wave in front of a stone. You understand? Yeah, when the water is flowing down the brook and then there's a standing yeah. wave because there's a stone in the water. Exactly. Mm. And now it depends what I do with my eyes. I can look on that standing wave and I see a wave, a shape. But I can use my eyes and see and look to the left and from down from left to right and then I see the water flowing. So I can see either a wave as a, as a firm shape in front of a stone or I can see water constantly flowing. Mm-hmm. You understand? Yeah. That means that the water is standing as this wave, but flows through at the same time. So we have the similarity of a flow and a shape. And this is what you're comparing to EM? And no, what's, I'm comparing to a tree or a man uh, or an animal in respect of the, to the bacteria. To, to try to understand bacteria, our microbiome, and how I deal with it, um, it's the best way to approach the life of microbes because they are, we as humans, with my nose and my ears, it, it looks as if I have a certain shape. Mm. But in fact... I'm totally flown through with bacteria. It's like the flow of we take up bacteria. We 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 take up bacteria by eating, by breathing, by um, with the skin, and they go, they flow through us. And only only if this flow is constantly flowing, I'm healthy. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So what we want to be doing is having a flow of bacteria through us yeah. and in us all the time. Yeah. And the the velocity of this flow is different. We have bacteria which st- stay a long while, a middle long time and only short time. They don't stay in a place at the, during a certain time. We have long-living and medium-living and short-living bacteria in a certain, um, like in a cow or in, within us. So, But you need, we need to think more fluent, fluid. We need liquid thinking. We need, need liquid imagination to understand bacteria and to deal with the M, to use the M. 
So this is the new conception of human, of life, that bacteria taught me 20 years ago. And it works. When, when, I, start, when I realized this about 20 years ago, I realized that our whole modern way of trying to solve problems um, got stuck because we don't think life liquidly. <laughs> mm. Can I make myself understandable? Yeah, yeah. We are much more lively than we thought. Yeah. I, I was just thinking about this the other day that, you know, like we try and hold on to permanence in our lives. Um, for example, trying to uh, extend our lives as long as possible as opposed mm -hmm. to the, the natural cycle of life and death, which is fluid. Yeah. yeah. We are much more fluid and lively than we thought. We thought ourselves as cells. When even the cell concept is now being changed into a different concept mm. where they don't focus on the borders of a cell and more on the um, on the cell nucleus and what what is around it because a membrane is is permanently re uh, rebuilt it's all liquid it's all fluid and um, the future of medicine needs this new image of human, this new conception of human to find appropriate ways of feeling. Where is the blockage in the flow? And how can it be melted? And EMs are those little helpers who help with the transformation of blockages. They melt these blockages. So they, we put them there and the amount of EM I put into um, living space is amazingly small compared to the effect it has. Now you can, for humans, you take two drops three times a day and makes it, it makes a difference. And it's such a little number of microbes, if you would count them, that everybody would say, oh, this is nonsense, it, it cannot work. But bacteria communicate. You have one microbiome in a lake, in a in a in a in a field a field has a microbiome and you put EM onto one end of this microbiome and the whole microbiome can react as a whole. Yeah, you you take an antibiotic on the big toe and you have or on the teeth, yeah, you take antibiotic on the teeth and you have a problem with your bladder because it's always one individual, one one life, one one big entity of uh, life mm. it's all it's all a miracle in fact <laughs> so when, you, when you're talking about um, adding EM you're talking about like the activated EM well the the mother fluid and the activated should be the same quality when okay. you do it properly mm. mm -hmm. but it depends you can the activation. This word is misleading because it's not an activation. Is it's the bacteria activate themselves wherever wherever they bring them out. You can take the bottle with the mother fluid, uh, mother liquid. How do you say mother? Yeah, the mother, mother culture. Mother culture. You can take the mother culture and bring it out, and the microbes know themselves where and how to activate themselves. But the active, what we call activation is just 
to make more out of it to make it cheaper. Mm. You don't need mm. to activate EM to bring them out into. Um, so. So does so does that mean it's more effective, or it, it is the same amount of effectiveness as using a couple drops of the mother culture, as uh, say making a couple of liters of the. Should be the same. Should okay. be the same. Mm. Because the microbes, they activate themselves there where they get to. So if you put them out on the street onto the asphalt, they wouldn't activate themselves very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's where why putting EM into the soil always needs feeding them. You have to put organic material with EM into the soil to get good results. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. This is all described in my books. I very much hope that one day there will be a publisher found who can translate, who would buy the license from my publisher and, and give translation to all of you from my books. It would be so helpful because people always uh, tell me that they understood EM eventually when they read my books. Oh, right. Yeah. And that's the thing, um, Anna Katerina. I, I was looking for information, uh, books on EM, and there's not that much in English, but there seems to be more in German than there is in English. Well, yeah. My books are really popular here in Germany. And my last book, The Natürlich Heilen mit Bakterien, has now been translated into French, into Italian, into Spanish. I don't know why there is no English publisher. Maybe someone who listens to this can find an English publisher who would like to translate this that book. That sounds good. We'll, we'll help you get it published in English. Because I get mails from all over the world uh, asking me for the English version of my books and I actually can't do much myself. It's in the hands of the publishers. Mm. So go and find one. But because there is a lot of talking about EM. And everybody says something, and but to be honest, nobody really knows how they work. This is their secret. I wouldn't believe anybody who says, "Oh, I have understood exactly how it works." Whatever uh, I can tell from my experience and what I studied in all these um, scientific publications about the micro microbiome, mm. um, but. I I got my knowledge from my experience 20 years ago that nobody the 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 term microbiome came later by Joshua Leberg in 2001 but it was the pure experience and my my way my personal experience mixed with this EM with this striking EM experience which was this moment when I realized life is totally different from what we had learned Life is fluid and life is transformation. And what we need is transformation and to support transformation. And the the dimension which can support transformation is the dimension of the microbes, the miniature dimension which has created multicellular beings. You know, there's um, in plankton, in the, in the sea, there are animals called Kragenflagellats, collar flagellats, I would translate, I don't know mm-hmm. the English. So they, they sw- single cells which swim in the water. And then there are bacteria 
um, certain bacteria, and when they touch the surface of this single cell, color flagellate, they find themselves together to what we call rosette. They they find together to a multi multicellular. So bacteria in touch with a single cell make multicellular. And it's not getting eaten. No. It's getting it's getting no. connected. It's getting connected and to a rosetta. What's the English word rosetta? A round shape with a. I'm not sure. Um, so, so a, a, a uh, like a um, a round shape with different sides on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. the single cells find themselves to a bigger shape where they have a certain order. Yeah, a certain structure. They build a certain structure which is round. And so, this the the clue is that the bacteria gave give the impulse for the single cells find themselves together to a new um, structure. Mm, mm-hmm. And this is what happens permanently within living, um, within living, and within plants, within animals, within humans. The bacteria give the impulse for our other body cells to find their way into the structure, which is a liver, which, which is a brain, which is whatever. So we need the bacteria and the, we need the contact of bacteria with our body cells to keep in structure. And you know, you certainly know that in our modern industrialized civilization, we all lack about one third of the bacteria which are meant to be within Homo sapiens mm. compared to indigenous um, people in Venezuela and the rainforests. They have much more variety and abundance of bacteria than here in Western civilization. Mm-hmm. So indigenous people, they have a full spectrum of uh, microbes as opposed to people who are living in the Western world. Exactly. Mm. But as bacteria are necessary to be in touch with our body cells, to keep us in structure, this deficiency in consequence makes ill. Mm. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you add bacteria like EM to such a deficient living space, it can be restructured. Interesting. You, you have um, a wound on the skin, for instance, yeah? there's a little hole in the skin, it's bleeding and cells have been destroyed. And then you put EM on top. So the bacteria gives to the cells the information, our hello, go into reconstruction, reconstruct your own structure. So this is why EM work when you have open wounds. You may, you, if you were a surgeon, you would <laughs> be crazy, say, don't put bacteria into an open bleeding wound. Mm. But this is what helps. And I can say that because for the past 20 years, 
I experienced people who were given up by academic medicine. It was said, well, we don't know how to, what to do anymore. Just let them die in peace. And people used EM and um, watched them with EM, put EM on the open septic wounds or on the um, areas with these resistant bacteria. They they cleaned the floor with EM. They sprayed it into the air and people became healthy. They sort of jumped off the death and came back to living. This is fascinating. Wow. And you have, you have first-hand experience with that. Yeah, well, I, I introduced this, uh, I in a way introduced EM here in, in medical use because we in Germany, we have a tradition of microbiological medicine from the 1940s. Mm. This is all in my book, in my book number five. <laughs> so it was easy to to think like this. In Asia, they don't have this form of microbiological therapy, a tradition. So I thought, okay, if EM helps in the soil, they help with the animal, they can change stinking um, excrements. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why don't they can it as well be helpful in medicine? So I, I used myself as an experimental <laughs> Uh, we, we just tried and it was successful and then there were doctors who said well there are people who would die anyway we can try mm. it, and frequently asked are there any studies with EM can you prove that it works we need studies mm-hmm. okay yeah <laughs> yes there are studies but um, in fact you don't need studies well, that's two ways of um, of approaching a problem. You can, when you do a study, you can distance yourself from what you are doing. And um, with EM, you are not in distance. You are. It's a partnership. Mm. Yeah, the studies are successful, but ethically, you can't really do a study of a human because when when the result with what you try is so success, successful, you may not continue the study. When one part is so successful, the other not, you must give the others the successful medicine too. Right, okay. And so it, what I'm hearing you saying is really it's about changing your mindset um, and that's why you're going into that, yeah, changing your mindset yeah. about the way we think about uh, the earth and ourselves and the way we relate to everything. When we wait, if we wait until all we know already is has been proved by scientific studies, planet Earth will uh, go down. Uh, we, we have no time. We have to start now. We have to... Every, person has to, I, w- I would dream of that everybody starts a, pe- a bacterial peaceful life. It's about peace. Mm. It's about relationship. The first step is to make peace with bacteria, to free them from all these projections, to see them in comp- completely new light, completely stop fighting. Peace with bacteria is an important contribution to peace in the world. 
Because once one has recognized that bacteria are our partners, there are no enemies, you will recognize other people as partners rather than enemies as well. So That's fantastic. That is, that's... Uh... Um, a great sort of uh, uh, metaphor or, you know, what people can take away from this is learning from the microbes and uh, not seeing people as uh, good or bad. Yeah. This, um, it wouldn't help. You know, modern life with these internet um, likes and no, not likes and everything is co completely contrary to this way of thinking. Yeah, people are trained to judge, click here, click there, and judge this um, Instagram picture and judge this. We have to, well, that wouldn't help. Yeah. Judging doesn't help. You never know what's going on within the other person. Why did this person leave medicine and change into horticulture? You can judge and say, this is incredible, this is unsuccessful, this is a complete failure of life. But then, who knows? Later, I realized it was a miracle. It was, it was, it was a way I wouldn't have known. You couldn't, you couldn't write um, a story. Nobody would have, would have invented a story which was like what my life was like until I came where I am today. Mm. Did, mm -hmm. did you get that? Yeah. So. Many years ago, I have put up the term conbiotic, you know, probiotic. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to say this to you. <laughs> I like probiotic life. But, you know, the, the word probiotic is still in this concept of separation. No? Mm, it mm. sounds nice, no? probiotic für das Leben. No? Pro is für, for life. It's nice. But it's important to overcome this concept of separation. I don't mean you and your podcast, but... No, that's great. It implies, no, that's, that's good. Yeah, it implies a contradiction. To be for or against anything, it's only a human ego attitude, attitude of human ego. It's not light. Yeah, because, and therefore, many years ago, I put up the term conbiotic. It had not become established because I have no platform. I have no institute, no university. And all these concepts are really too far too complicated it's about getting to another dimension conbiotic means with the bacteria except bacteria as partners there there is only one unit it's not about working for the bacteria with the bacteria instead of against them it's about peace it's in a way knowing i am a bacterium a big one my mm. body is a bed of bacteria in which my body cells are embedded and we together are a full human being. Mm. So I am with my bacteria, which I take up and give off. I'm part of the pangenome, the microbiome of the planet Earth. You know, in, in our stool, we have, our stool is uh, half of it or two thirds of it is bacteria. So we um, leave, we give out more bacteria every day than we take up. So we, in, in our intestine, we multiply bacteria. Did you realize that? Mm, that's fascinating, isn't it? 
Um, so oh. w- what is your view on, um, say, like the pill form of probiotics and uh, things like kefir or kombucha or those, is, are those um, helpful to be using those? Well, okay, it doesn't make sense if you don't live a bacteria-friendly life. So mm. it starts, you can take it up, but if you take a bacteria-killing toothpaste at the same time every morning and every evening or after each meal, mm. it's a contradiction again. Many people use EM, and at the same time, they apply EM into the garden, and so, but they use a toothpaste which kills microbes. And they use cleaning chemistry in their households and kill bacteria. Mm. So I, I suggest if, if someone really wants to live a peaceful life, you can go through your household and ask yourself, what does this cleaning agent, this garment, this or that do with bacteria. Mm. You know, synthetic chemical substances often kill natural bacteria and instead breed those that neutralize the chemical substances that do not fit to human or plants or animals. So it's a way of life. You can lead a bacteria-friendly life. Maybe you don't succeed from one day to the other, but once you have that in mind, you have your bacteria as your little friends, and you think like you have children, or you have a dog or a cat, a cat. Then you don't only think of yourself. You think, oh, is this good for my cat? Is this good for my dog? Mm-hmm. And then you can add, is this good for my bacteria? Mm-hmm. Synthetic fiber wardrobe provides for a different bacterial colonization on the skin than natural fibers. So what kind of clothes do I wear? The nice thing is it comes all together. Then you buy clothes from natural fiber and you have no microplastic in your washing machine water. Mm. It's a deep decision. Do I want to live a friendly life on planet Earth? It's possible. Well, um, I thank you for your inspiration, Dr. Anna Katrina. We're going to have to wrap it up. Um, but is there anything before we do, is there anything else that you would like to add or say um, or to finish up? Um, well, there's so much to say. <laughs> I, I we'll have to get like- you back on again. <laughs> Well, I would be pleased. <laughs> There's much more to say. There's much more to say. Uh, I, I'm happy to talk to you again. So, uh, open new spaces again. Um, well, m- m- one big wish is actually to support you all with an English um, translation of my uh, of any of my books, or best would be of all five of, or at least four books, or at least three, uh, maybe two. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, people are welcome. You are welcome to send me an email, but only if you do not expect any answer from me. Uh, so, you know, many people want to ask my personal advice for private medical questions. I cannot really cope with all these emails. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm sorry, but I do not give any personal medical advice. So if you have any questions or if you would like to speak to me personally, please come to one of my events. You can find the current dates at uh, www.bacteriotherapy.eu. Bacteriotherapy.eu. And we'll have the link in the uh, in the show notes as well, so people can find it there. Yeah. So go to the German version, then, and under the word Veranstaltungen, you can find the next dates. And um, yeah, if you would like me to give a lecture at your place, so it's best to give me a phone call because it sometimes takes time until I read my emails. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wish you peace with the bacteria and harmony with the earth and health and the bacteria. And I thank you for your attention. And thank you very much for your time, Dr. Anne Katharina. Sehr gerne. Well, I hope that this has given you something to think about today, that we can lead a bacteria-friendly life, that we can make peace with the bacteria, that they are our partners and not our enemies. To find out more about Anna Katerina, you can go to bacteriotherapy.eu. I have the link in the show notes and a link to her books in German. Let's get those published in English. If you have a contact, let me know. And you can always subscribe to the podcast to support it and share it with a friend. So thanks to everyone who has reached out and told us about how you are living a probiotic life. May the beneficial microbes be with you. And until next time, cheers. Thank you for listening to The Probiotic Life. You can find us on Facebook at The Probiotic Life, on Instagram, The Probiotic Life, and on our website, theprobiotic.life.